Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, a little forewarning today as we open up the Word of God. If you're used to seeing me, you probably notice I'm not wearing my glasses today. We were hanging out at the lake with our staff yesterday, and my son's at the age we take him, and like he's sort of afraid to jump, so I do the really proper fatherly thing, and I grab him and just run in, like, you know, no warning, and he's screaming, and we jump in. And so I jump in with him, I get up, I get back on the boat, and I start to feel my face, and I realize... Oh man, my glasses. So somewhere at the bottom at Douglas Lake is my glasses. So here's the thing, little commitment you guys got to make. When the water goes down and you're out there looking for stuff, if you come across a black pair of Oakley's prescription glasses, I'm your man, right? You just keep that in mind as we go along. But uh, what it does mean is I'm going to walk around my Bible day instead of use the, put it on the podium. And uh, if it's close to my face, that is so that I can see the word of God. Because uh, if I can't do that, then... I'm just going to fake it. You know what I mean? Like it just, whatever comes out, it's coming out. So uh, we made it through the first service like that. We'll do that again today. Man, I'm so glad you guys are here. Before I get rolling, let me, uh, let me just pray for us real quick as we open up the word of God today. God, thank you so much for the first service we had, incredible worship, Father, for the week we've had and being able to be together uh, so many times as a body of believers and just the, the way you've moved, Father, it's been an incredible, incredible week. God, thank you for this church the joy we have of doing ministry together, the joy we have of worshiping together. God, thank you so much for that. God, use this time. Use it, use it. Make an impact in our life. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. You ever thought about Jesus' calling of the first disciples? You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna talk to you today about the power of God in our life. And before I can jump into scripture, if you got your Bibles on, you can turn to the book of John chapter 15. That's where we're going to be. But before we jump there, have you ever thought about the calling of the first disciples? It is a crazy thing to think about. If you think about every time Jesus comes across from the very first ones, you got two guys out there fishing on a boat, casting their nets, going through their daily routine. Guy walks up on the shore, yells out at them, says, put down your nets, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers and men. And lo and behold, they do it. They leave their livelihood, their job, their family, everything behind and they follow Jesus. Crazy, right? But yet everywhere he went for people that followed him that are mentioned in scripture, that's almost the way it happened. Now, could they have said some other things? I guess they certainly have could. But what scripture gives us is a very simple command and a very obedient response of these disciples. Well, I was thinking a little bit uh, about this message and uh, we got back from the lake yesterday and we had some friends in town, two very close friends of ours. And so we took them out because we wanted to see the Lion King. Who all seen the Lion King? It's awesome, right? I love that movie. Man, I was so pumped to see that movie. I was so pumped. I bought my tickets four days ago. Bought them four days ago for a specific time. I got the perfect seats. All that was good. So we took them out early for dinner and we wanted to do something that's not like just sort of sitting there because it was a couple hours before the movie. So we drove over to Dave and Buster's there. I walked in. I got one of those game cards. We put some money in the game card. So like an hour later, $40 later, we get two stuffed animals. You know, like that's sort of how it works. And so we bought them for a little boy. We go home. And we put them on the top of our kitchen counter. And I started thinking, this is sort of like Christmas. Well, Connor's going to wake up in the morning, come run out here. And we made him pick, you know, our other little son's one. So we weren't, you know, favoring any children. We made him pick one. The other one went to Parker. Okay. So we had those two little stuffed animals there. And I thought, this is sort of like Christmas. And I got to thinking, but how cool would it be if when God called you or me or had that moment, that he gave us like an option. Like, hey, come and follow me. And when you do, you get to choose to be anybody or anything that you want to be, whatever you want to be. That'd be pretty cool, right? Like, 
What would you be if Jesus looked at you and said, hey, drop what you're doing, leave your life behind, come follow me, and you can choose anybody or anything, and that's what you are. Well, last night it hit me what I wanted to be. I, out of everything in this world, would wanna be Santa Claus, right? Here's why. Dude's got it made. I was thinking about, he works one day a week, or a year. One day a year, the other 364 days a year, he's playing with toys, right? Eating food, doing his thing. It's an amazing job. He goes out, he eats whatever he wants to eat with absolutely no health side effects, right? He's actually praised for being uh, larger, right? So he got this like brilliant sort of thing going on. I mean, listen, if I got the option to be Santa Claus, I would make some immediate amendments to the Santa Claus thing. Immediately, number one, there'd be no more cookies and milk. Forevermore, it'd be fried chicken and sweet tea, You know what I mean? How awesome would that be? Like they'd have to make the chimneys a little bigger if I was Santa Claus. You know, you you come down, you eat that. It's the greatest job in the world and people love you for it. Man, that's what I'd want to do. Well, look, uh, Jesus calls us out to something. He doesn't call call us with that in mind. He actually calls us to incredible purpose and even more than that. Incredible opportunities that he gives us. And what if I told you this, that Jesus didn't make you that offer, but he made you one different than that that's actually better. What if I told you in one passage of scripture, we can learn this morning how God has given us the ability to unleash his power in our life. That he actually mapped it out in just a few sentences for his disciples. And because he did that, it's actually mapped out for us. That's a pretty good deal, right? Well, I mean, we got the opportunity this morning to do just that. And so if you got your Bibles and you're in John chapter 15, Listen to these words real quick. It's verses 12 through 17. Talking to his disciples, and just so you know, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. It's right before all the things are going to happen to him happen, and he's talking to his disciples, giving them some last bit of wisdom. And he says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friend since I've told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go out and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. You know what Jesus is telling us in this passage? I mean, in the simple terms, if you just say, what's the context here? He's really showing us what it looks like to love each other. But if you actually go deeper than that and you look at what Jesus said, he's not only telling us how to love each other, he is showing us while loving each other how to unleash the power of God in our life. It's an unbelievable passage of scripture. And so if we can just sort of focus in for a few minutes, I genuinely believe that we're gonna learn some things that we can apply to our life that may forever change the way we live and the way we go about our lives. Catch this, all right? When Jesus called his first disciples to follow him, it's why I mentioned that at the beginning. When he called his first disciples to follow him, he was not calling them to lay down their lives. Think about it. He was calling them to be obedient. He was calling them to lay down their lives for other people. Catch what he said at the beginning of this passage, if you don't believe me. He opened up in the first three verses, the verses 12 through 17, really lay the context, the foundation for everything Jesus is trying to say. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Isn't that a little weird to anybody else? Jesus opens up and says, hey, 
to love someone, there's no greater love or display of that than being willing to lay down your life for them. And then he says, and you're my friend, just follow my commands. In one sentence to the next, Jesus himself pivots as if to look at his disciples and say, you love other people, be willing to give your life for them. You love me, follow my commands. And it, it begs the question, why would Jesus make a difference between the two? And here's why. Because Jesus was telling them he was getting ready to go to the cross for them. And the call of God for his disciples and the call of God to us is not for us to go and give our life to Christ or, or for Christ. He's done the work. What he tells us is to love other people in such a way that we would lay down our life for them. It's as if to say that what Jesus looks for us or from us who love him is obedience. And what Jesus looks for us and from us to other people is to love them as he loved them, to literally be willing to lay down our life for them. It's an incredible perspective. And in two sentences, Jesus tells his disciples just that. Twice, by the way, in this passage, Jesus commanded his disciples to love one another. Love for Jesus is not shown, guys, by laying down your life for him. Love for Jesus is shown by obedience, by obedience. And let me tell you this truth real quick. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, if you want to experience the power of God in your life, then be willing to lose it for the sake of someone else. That's an incredible thought. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter nine, verse three. For my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to forever be cursed and cut off from Christ if that would save them. We're gonna look at some powerful verses today, but that verse for me, for me personally, is one of the most convicting verses I come across because I'm gonna ask a, ask a question that I've asked myself the past few days. I'm gonna be very honest with you. I've not found a single time, not one moment, not one time in my own life where I could say that I did it. I couldn't answer yes to the question I'm gonna ask you, not one time in my life, and it's horribly convicting. If what Jesus is saying is true, that to love other people is to be willing to lay down our life for them. And to love him is to be obedient. And if what Paul said is in line with the heart of God, that he'd be willing to cut himself off from Christ for the sake of other people to get to know him. Then it sort of begs the question from us, have we ever wanted to see God move so bad that we were willing to remove ourselves from his grace? You ever thought about that? Have we ever wanted somebody that we were close with to experience Jesus the way we experienced him so much that if it meant us losing out on Jesus, we would do it. Can I be honest? Not a single time in my life. I've not thought of one time. Now listen, this isn't some game. I'll be honest, it's not a game for me. We're talking about eternity. Like life on this earth has a beginning and it has an end for every single one of us. When we talk about heaven and hell, and the glory of heaven and the pain and torture of hell, the being with Jesus forever and being separated from Jesus forever. It's forever. It's not a game. And I couldn't find a single time in my life that I could honestly say I would. Listen, I'll be honest with you. The closest I come is for my children. But I don't know. We're talking about eternity. Eternity. 
And we look at Jesus and he says, hey, obey me. And if you love me and you love other people, you'll be willing to lay down your life for them. And Paul says, man, for just for some of my people, my people to come and know Jesus, I would be willing to be cut off from Christ. Good news. You can't cut yourself off from Christ. <laughs> All right? There's some super really good news in this room that I don't have to live my life wondering whether or not I should cut myself off from Jesus for the sake of somebody else. Jesus came to seek and save all who are lost. So there are super good news in this message for all of us, but it still convicts us, doesn't it? It still points to our heart when it comes to some of these things. And so the principle, guys, is still the same. The first principle in unlocking the power of God in our life is to be willing to lose it for the sake of someone else. That's the first principle of unlocking the power of God in our life. Now, I'll be honest with you, from here it gets a lot more encouraging. So that's the first thing Jesus says. It's super heavy right there at the beginning. The second thing I would tell you guys is this, and this is awesome. God chose you for a purpose. God chose you for a, he chose me for a purpose. You see it in verse 16. He actually says at the very beginning there, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Man, if you're an underliner in the word of God, like if you mark stuff in your Bible and if you pick mine up and you leave here, don't judge me. I, I mark some of my Bibles, but you're not gonna find one to mark a lot in because I have four or five of this same kind, mainly because they're randomly placed and where I forget them. You know, it could be downstairs if I was there and I got one in my house and two in my office and it's this weird thing. But if you're an underliner in your Bible, man, you, this is one of those two couple words you underline. There are a few verses more powerful for us as believers than that one. The fact that God chose you, that he chose me. And can I be honest, in our culture, in our culture, that's, that's, a, that's a belief that's actually under attack. And I'm not talking about spiritually. It's not under attack spiritually, but it's something that's fought against every single day. It's something we stand against. And when you hear me say what I'm gonna say, I'm not saying this to push against our culture. I'm telling you all, I'm speaking to me here so that we can know what we're up against when we talk to other people. So we can know what they're dealing with. But if you think about this idea that God chose us, it's an idea that's under attack. Very few people in our culture are okay with the thought that somebody has full control over their life. That they chose them, that God has a plan for them, that he has a purpose for them. And that plan and that purpose may be far away from what they hope their life to become. That in order to achieve that plan and achieve that purpose, that in order to know Jesus and experience forever with him in heaven, that means you have to do some things as Jesus outlined. That when he chooses you, 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 show, you, you confess, you believe as scripture says. This idea to have the power of God in your life, that you gotta be obedient to Jesus. And these are things that are pushed against every single day. And I started thinking about music. I'm a... If you don't know me well, and those of you who do know this, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a music nut. I love music. I love music. Now, look, I can't play an instrument. I can't sing a song. I can barely hum. I'm a pretty good whistler, all right? Like, that's as far as it goes for me. But uh, just to be very honest with you, I'm, I'm sort of crazy about music. Like, uh, if you know who my favorite singer is, Celine Dion, okay? Don't judge me. She's wonderful, okay? And I was 12. I saw Titanic, Leonardo out there in the end of the boat, Celine singing in the background. I was at a very influential age. It's never left me, okay? Like, I love music. I love music. And so I started looking up some songs about, that are very famous and popular songs. And, I, and, and I'm gonna just read you some lyrics from one. And, and I'm gonna tell you the truth. If you believe this, it's really well-written. I don't believe what it says, 
But it's a really well-written song, and that's why it's so popular. You, you, you listen to these words. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine those no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You see, what we're up against is a belief in our nation that that's what peace is. Self-fulfillment, the achievement of your own personal goals and ambitions. And Jesus comes in and he says, hey, when you're talking about the power of God in your life, you need to realize something. I chose you. I chose you. And that's a freeing thought. It's a powerful thought. It's an awesome thought. The creator God of this universe chose me sent his son to die on a tree for me, for you. That's a crazy thought, but it's not a welcome thought. It's actually an offensive thought. Let me tell you what Jesus said about himself in Luke chapter 4, 18. It says that he said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. That's what Jesus said about himself. That's his words if you were to write it as a song about who he is. That's an amazing thought. And if you ever wonder yourself, you ever talk to somebody, you know what our world is without Jesus? If that song lyric becomes true, you know what that leaves our world? Here's what it leaves it. It leaves it a world without Jesus, a world with no miracles, no hope, no future, bound by desires and direction of evil people and selfish ambition. We would live a life to accomplish the very heart of Satan. That's a world without Jesus. And Jesus said, when I come, I bring hope. People are healed. Blind people see, hearts are restored, marriages are recovered, futures are set, purpose is found. That's what Jesus brings. Can I ask you a question? If he walked in here today and offered you that for all the baggage in your life, wouldn't you take him up for it? Doesn't it make complete sense to go before Jesus and say, hey, if that's who you are and your word is true and so much of this is happening, then whatever you say, God, you have it and take it, it's yours. I can't find that anywhere, but there's a belief that we can't find that in Jesus and we're only gonna find that in achieving our own selfish ambitions. My dreams, my reality, my wants, my desires. Put me on a pedestal. If I'm honest with you all, you take Jesus out of my life, that's what I want. Apart from Christ, it's our flesh and desire to chase after those things. And Jesus said, man, I fight against that and I do it in a way that brings you hope, peace, love, joy, kindness, exactly what we need. What an amazing, amazing thought from Jesus. Let me ask you this question. You may say, well, Justin, I mean, that may be fine. Maybe you're here today and you don't really have never considered belief in God and you're asking yourself and wanting to ask me, what right does he have? No matter what you believe, Justin, what right does God have to tell me how to live my life? What right does Jesus have to choose me to have purpose for me, to offer me something. What right does he have to speak into my life in that way? He has all the right. He died for you. He hung on a tree for you. He took your place in my place on a cross 
Jesus has all the right to do those things. Jesus has the right. He died for it. Hear me, guys. He died for you. He died for you. He died for me. He has the right. God, by the way, choosing us is not just a reminder of his power in our life. God choosing us is also a great reminder that our greatest influence will happen actually when other people choose us too. When other people choose us too. And that's to say, we don't get to choose our roles oftentimes in people's life. You know, I've known Pastor Anthony for a long time. He's one of my best friends. He talked about his first memory. I told the first service, that's not my first memory of Pastor Anthony. My first memory is I walked into student night and we were in, or it might even been a Sunday morning. I forget which one of the two, but we were downstairs and what was the old fellowship hall there. And somebody had told me, like he was this intern. He was, he was you know, Anthony and, uh, was in great shape at the time. And uh, not that he's not in great shape, but I mean, at the time he was in really good shape, you know, and uh, it's what happens when the youth pastor gets the mic, by the way. But uh, no, he was in really good, he was in really good shape, you know, and so, walk in and they were like, listen, you want to make that guy mad? You hit him in the back of the head. And I'll be honest with you, at to this point in my life, I hadn't really found anybody that could really manhandle me. Not that I was the toughest guy in the world or that I'd win every fight, but I hadn't been manhandled. Like I could hold my own. I thought, okay, let's see, let's see what he's got. You know what I mean? Like slapping in the back of the head. How hard is that? So I walk up right behind him. He turns his back. I take my right hand. I get to the side of him and smack him right in the back of the head. I kid you not. By the time my hand got back down to my side, he had grabbed my wrist, thrown me over his back. I landed five yards away, looking straight up into the sky. And I thought to myself, man, I like that guy. You know what I mean? Like there's someone being 15, 16 years old and finding that actually happened. It like brings you close to somebody, you know? No, I chose, believe it or not, I chose him. I chose him to be an influencer in my life. That's how it works. And oftentimes your greatest influence will come when the people around you choose you to be somebody that speaks into them and helps them draw close to Jesus. And that's not something you force, it's something that they choose. And by the way, by the way, being okay with that is an incredibly sacrificial and humble place to live. Because it means that we're not choosing our role. It means today I could act like I'm the preacher and somebody else doesn't want me to be that. They just want me to be the friend. And I don't need to be the preacher. I need to be the friend. It means when I go home and my wife's telling me about her day sometimes that I don't need to come up with solutions. I just need to listen. Very difficult for me to do, right? Like there are certain things that that means in our life that when people ask us and invite us in and choose us to be an influencer in their life, it means we have to humble ourselves to be whatever they need us to be in a given moment and not force our way to be something that they don't need from us. That's one of the ways we have incredible influence. We will find our purpose in using all that we are to bring to life all that someone else can become. That's where we find purpose. You ever found somebody like that? That you looked at them and met them and saw them and you know they had incredible potential? You know, that's what I think Paul was thinking of oftentimes. I so love my people, I'd be willing to be cut off to Christ to see them come to Jesus. It happens, doesn't it? that people enter into our life and we think to ourselves, man, I so believe, I so see something in that person. I would do anything to see them succeed. I would do anything to see them draw close to God. I would do anything to see the power of God in their life. 
we find influence and we find the power of God. In fact, we find purpose in our life when we use all that we are to bring to life all that someone else can become. And it begs a question from us today. What do our friends need from us today? Not what we think. What do they need from us? What do they actually need? the people who you are involved with, the people who are in your inner circle, the people you come across at work, your friends, what do they need from you today? You'll find great purpose when we start to answer that question. And by the way, when it comes to your purpose, your purpose, guys, is to produce lasting fruit. Our purpose is to produce lasting fruit fruit. Catch this in verse 16. It's where we've been for a little bit now. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And this is my command, love each other. Our purpose, God's purpose for your life and my life is to produce lasting fruit. Now catch this. When producing lasting fruit, what's this verse tell us? And God will give us whatever we need. God will give us whatever we need when we produce lasting fruit. You ever heard this statement that God helps those who help themselves? I think I heard it in a movie. I forget which movie, but it's been around a while, right? It's a way for us to tell people like, you got to get off the couch. You know, (laughs) you get, you got to quit being lazy. You're blaming this on a lot of society. Get up get the work kind of thing. Here's the truth. That, that may be a good saying from time to time, but that's actually not biblical. Nowhere in scripture does Jesus say that God helps those who help himself. In fact, he says much different than that. Jesus says things like, you can't help yourself. That I'm the only way to heaven. It, it's, it's a complete contrary thought, but here's what Jesus says in this passage. I'm going to read it again in verse 16 and listen for what Jesus said we actually need to do when we are pursuing and finding purpose in our life and relationship with God. You don't choose me, I choose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for. You know what the overwhelming assumption of this whole passage of scripture is? That we will ask for it. The saying shouldn't be, God helps those who help themselves. The saying should be, God helps those who ask for it. Even as believers, the assumption in this is that we are communicating and talking with God. And hear me, it is no coincidence that all the greatest revivals that swept across our nation started first in a movement of prayer, a begging and asking and pleading of God. Jesus literally looks at us and says, hey, when you're bearing fruit, when you're finding purpose in your life, when you're pursuing God in that way, when it comes comes to what you need, he's going to give you in that moment what you ask for. What you ask for, not because God helps themselves or God helps those who help themselves, because God asks those who ask for it. Prayer is a key component to unlocking the power of God in our life. I said this a second ago, I'm gonna repeat it so you know if you're writing something down. We produce lasting fruit by asking God for what we need. Catch this, in order to lay down our life for our friends. You know, sometimes we can use passages like this to sort of achieve our own goals or turn in some things to God. And it reminded me of a, um, it reminded me of a mission trip I was on. It was a great trip. In fact, Anthony was on this trip. We had gotten there, uh, I believe it was in Nicaragua. I think it was the trip. I, he may correct me later, but we get there and it's, it's uh, we're not just working in the city, but we get, 
sort of off the plane to our area and where, where the missionary stays. And they would pile us in these back of these Toyotas and they remove all the seats from the back. And we would actually pile in there. We'd cross our legs and lay across each other. And in my mind, we went for like six to 10 hours. It was like four to six hours. But it was a long time where we went out into a, an area of that country where people hadn't had electricity, they had nothing. It was a different level of poverty in that sense. And we, we built a school and a church and a lot of crazy things happened with the hardest working trips I'd ever been on at that time. But we get done at the week, at the end of the week, and we go back with the missionary and there's two separate flights going out. And there was a guy on this trip, if I'm honest with you, he was, uh, he was a little different, but very good guy, right? Like just one of those guys that you're sort of watching. To give you an example, as the week went along, we were sort of walking down the road and he picked up like a thing of cocoa because that's what's uh, popular in that nation. And I don't know if it grows on trees. Don't ask me. I don't think about that kind of thing. But he was like, man, I've grown up on this stuff. He cuts it open. It's completely rotten. He was like, no, that ain't rotten. It's good. You know, and I'm like, bro, well, you're either a man's man you know, and so that's like here we're living with. So we get back at the end of the week and we're starting to pray. And uh, the, the missionary uses this very passage of scripture. And that man says, man, I also believe we need to pray specifically. And so he goes with the missionary there. And I kid you not, he begins to pray. And uh, he says these words. He said, dear God, I know that I drive a Toyota Prius, but when I go home, when I get home, God, I am trusting you for a red chrome around the edges, brand new F-150 fully paid off with my name on it. And I thought, brave. You know what I mean? Like man of faith right here. He's still driving the Prius, but you know, it was, it was a principle, right? He believed in, look, that's not what this verse is teaching at all. That's not what this verse is teaching at all. It is not come to God and ask and you receive for whatever you ask for just because you're a believer. That's not what this passage is teaching at all. Catch this real quick. This passage of teaching is, is teaching us something. And if you, if you do this with me, I think you'll see it. Instead of reading this, this verse from verse 16 to the very end, we're gonna read it backwards real fast. And sometimes this helps, sometimes it doesn't. But, uh, but I want you to see this real quick. I'm gonna start off and I'm gonna start right there in verse 18, reading backwards. Um, this is my command, love each other. You didn't cho choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So go and love one another. Have you caught it? This isn't a free pass to go before God and test him and expect him to give us our wildest dreams. Jesus said, love one another. And the greatest way you can love someone is to be willing to lay down your life for them. And when it comes to me, you keep my commandments. And as you go, you will find purpose in bearing lasting fruit. And as you bear lasting fruit, being whatever you need to be for that individual, allowing all that you are to be used of God and by God, not to expand your dreams and wishes and ambitions, but to build his kingdom. That as you are doing that, as you have a need, you go before the father and ask for it and you will find it provided. That's what Jesus is teaching. It's not a wish program, guys. It's much different than that. It is so much better than a wish program. Guys, it's amazing when you think about it. Jesus is looking at us and said, hey, if you wanna find purpose, when you're willing to lay down your life for someone else, when you're willing to follow me in that way, when you're willing to trust me with everything that you have, 
whatever you need to continue bearing fruit, I'll provide it. So when you run out of patience, you got it. When you need grace, you'll find it. When you need a roof over your head, I'll provide it. When you need food in your belly, you got it. As you go and bear fruit and make an impact, I will provide for your needs. That's what Jesus said. So what's that mean for us? Is there real power for that? And what kind of impact does that actually have on our lives? Well, think about this real quick, guys. This is, this is a pretty incredible thought. When loving one another, laying down our life for them, Jesus says anything we ask in his name will be given in order to continue to produce lasting fruit. That means this. It means we're never more like Christ than when we're laying down our life for our friends. It means, it means that it changes everything. It means it changes how we view our resources. Think about that. It means that everything God gives us, everything God's called us to, every, everything, that, everything we have, everything we are, from the wisdom we hold in our mind, from the possessions he's given us, that everything we are is a tool to be used to produce lasting fruit. And that as you give it, God will replenish it. It's an opportunity to come in and say, God, here's everything I am and everything I've ever done and everything I hope for, and I'm gonna give all that to you and I'm gonna produce lasting fruit and in faith, know, believe, and ask that you'll provide for every need that I have. It encourages us to be good stewards of our time, to love our families so that we can be effective for the kingdom of God. It changes the way I deal with my children. It changes what I teach them. Can I tell you what else it does? It even changes some of the stones that I stack. It does. You know what I would like to stack for stones apart from Jesus? You know what I would like to stack? If there was no Jesus in my life, over here it'd be like a cabin on the river, you know? Over here it'd be a cabin on the lake. <laughs> over here it'd be a cabin in the mountains. Over here, you sort of get the drift, right? Here'd be all these things. And those are great things. Those are wonderful things. They're wonderful things. Let me tell you what's better than those things. Seth's better than those things. He's better than those things. Lost friends and family are better than those things. Impact that lasts for eternity, I would trade anything for. That's what's better than my selfish stones. It reminded me of a story I told the first service. I didn't want to share it, but I wanted to share it with both of you guys. And you say, how's that play out in the life of a believer? How's that actually look for us? I got a phone call while I was in Nashville from a buddy of mine. He called me one day. He said, Justin, I'm in jail. He was 16 years old. He said, I need you to come and bail me out. I said, okay, I'm gonna come bail you out. I went and bailed him out. I got him in my car. I just led this young man to the Lord. I said, what happened? He said, well, I was at Walmart. I was hanging out with the wrong guys. They sold some stuff and put it in my bag. I walked out. I didn't realize it was in my bag and the buzzer went off. And I pulled the car over right on the interstate, <clears throat> right outside of Old Hickory, uh, one, of the road, one of the Old Hickory exits there in Nashville. And I pulled over and I said, bro, I said, I'm gonna ask you that question again. And if you ever lie to me, I'm gonna take you home and we're done. I'll walk with you through anything, but you ain't gonna lie to me. And he said, okay, it was mine. I did it. And here's what I told him. I, look, this is not, I, if you knew the sins in my life, the things I committed and ashamed of, but this is one of those moments that I learned a lot in ministering to those teenagers in that town. Because I looked at him and I said, bro, let me tell you something. What'd you steal? 
You know what stuff? Earphones. He said, I've never owned a nice set of earphones. I said, I got earphones. I said, let me tell you something, bro. You need clothes? I got clothes. You need food? I got food. You need a roof over your head? I got a roof. You need a car? I've got a car. You need a job? I'll help you find one. Look, when you're part of the family of God, and here's what I told him, and it's the same thing I tell you guys. When you're part of the family of God, you don't have an opportunity to stand before a judge one day and say, I had to do something completely out of character and completely against God and completely sinful because I didn't have. If I have, you have. That's what God teaches us. We so love other people around us that we are literally willing to lay down our life for them to see God make an impact in them and raise them up. And God says, if you'll live a life like that, you can trust me to replenish anything that's given out in that process. You ask for it, I'll give it. That's what God teaches. And what an incredible, incredible opportunity for us. What an incredible opportunity for us. So I'm gonna close with this, guys. If you wonder how that plays out in your life, I want you to think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. I mentioned at the beginning of the call, the call of the disciples. You can know what I told you today is work because when Jesus called the disciples, he called us, we follow him. We did. When Jesus called us to be baptized, what did we do? We were baptized, weren't we? And catch this. When Jesus died on a cross, he didn't ask us to do that. He didn't ask us to do that. He commanded us to love other people in such a way that we would lay down our lives for our friends. And that's what we do. That's the power of God in our life. The question is, are we willing, am I willing to be obedient to Jesus? Am I willing to lay down my life for my friends? Am I willing to ask the convicting questions? What do they need for me today? What role do they need me to play? And how can I fulfill the purpose of God in their life? That's what we do. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.